Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got holes on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And welcome everybody in the booth. Good to have you with us on a sunny and clear Thursday here in downtown Syracuse. Orange off that uh, brutal road loss last night at NC State. We'll get into that. And also look ahead, way ahead, on the uh, Syracuse basketball schedule. The ACC has just released the upcoming opponents that uh, Syracuse basketball will play for the next three seasons. And keep in mind, that's going into the 20-game era. So Boston College, Pittsburgh, and two others have always been on the your two plays, the teams you play home and road, have for years now been Boston College, Pittsburgh, and then two other teams. For instance, uh, this year it's Duke and Clemson. Going forward now, it'll be Boston College, Pittsburgh, and four other teams. And uh, we'll hit you on some of those. If you're uh, into the Duke thing and uh, when's Duke coming to the Dome, we'll tell you about that. Uh, When does Syracuse go to the fun places like Duke and Carolina and Louisville? Uh, We'll tell you about that as well. If you'd like to join us by phone, you can do it at 315-437-7644. For ESPN 44 gets you on the show. Orange with the uh, big loss last night to NC State. Uh, one of the things that we're probably going to talk about here and get into a little bit has to do with sort of the margin of victory or defeat in this case. Was it competitive or not competitive? Is a loss a loss? And Coach Beheim kind of regularly pointing out, look, what difference does it make? Uh He'd rather, in fact, probably lose by 10 than by 1. You lose by 1, you go twisting and turning over every single individual play and miss free throw that uh, cost you the game. Last night, Syracuse was, I won't say outclassed because I don't think NC State has a better roster. I think if they played again and played here or played in the parking lot or played at Raleigh again, uh, I think you'd feel fine about uh, Syracuse's chances. They just played really poorly last night and picked a, a bad time to do it because that was one of those games that uh, not only was winnable, but another uh, opportunity to win on the road and a chance to get it done. I, I think one of the, the first claims you see, and this has happened, I think, after every loss uh, for Syracuse, the fan base, uh, Twitter blows up. Oh, I can't stand it. They're losing. Inconsistent. Well, they're 8-4. and four. Uh, I think virtually every team in the conference outside of the top three would sign up to be 8-4. and four. That being said, they're 8-4. and four against a softer part of the schedule because one ahead is the uh, is the nasty part here in the, the final third. That's why those types of games that are sort of toss-ups are uh, real opportunities that you've got to miss, uh, can't miss. And that's why last night sort of stings. But I'm here to tell you about the inconsistent. It's college basketball. They're 19-year-old players. No team is completely consistent. So one of my stupid analogies... I was thinking about rock, paper, scissors, right? Are there any fans of scissors? Scissors always beats paper and never beats rock. Are the scissors fans happy that scissors is at least consistent? Well, who cares about consistency, right? You you line up, I don't know, to me as a sports fan, 
I like to see the games. Part of the fun of it is that you don't really know what you're going to get. Even in a game like last night, Syracuse's top three scores combined for 15 points total. They were not major factors in the game. And a guy who's been struggling of late, scored three points total in the last two games, goes off for a season-high 21. That's the way it goes. Um, you also had guys in Jalen Carey and Robert Braswell who have been, in essence, non-factors this year. I wouldn't really say that about Carey, that he's been a non-factor. Braswell has not played any meaningful minutes. He had just six minutes of playing time in uh, conference play this year. He had seven minutes last night and stepped it up on the defensive end in the right place at the right time. Buddy Beheim, who had had one bad game in the last eight shooting the ball, had another bad game last night, and now you look at it, well, maybe he is consistent. He's had bad games two out of three. That's not really how it works, right? <laughs> He's been, you know, his last three games from three-point range, 0 for 6, 4 for 5, 0 for 4. And that's what happens with freshmen. Elijah Hughes, 0 for 5 from three-point range last night. A very poor free-throw shooting game. Here's a quick one from Coach Beheim summing up two of the major themes that we're discussing now. One, that this last part of the schedule is a significant challenge. We've known that since August. And certainly last night wasn't representative. Even though Syracuse, this has not been a standout offensive team, last night wasn't representative of it. And if you're going to make only five threes and only half your free throws, you're not beating anybody. Well, I think everybody has a tough some a tough stretch at some time in this league. You know, our our back end schedule is is ridiculous, but this is what it is. You got to go play it. You know, we'll play teams. Teams have been number one in the country on the road, and you know, other teams that are really really good. So, and that's just the way it is. The league's difficult, difficult for everybody, and uh, you have to be able to move on. You know, we've had we had a bad game at home. We went out and we played really well and beat won a couple good games on the road, but that you know, you just have to get over it. You have to have a short memory. You're gonna have some tough games in this league. And uh if you're gonna get beat, I I don't like losing by one or two. I'd rather lose by ten, twelve, whatever it is. One thing you can say about Jim Beheim for his tenure here, he's an even keel guy. He doesn't get too high on the wins. He doesn't get too low on the losses, and he practices what he preaches about. you got to get over it, and you've got to move on. He really has the same sort of comportment uh, from one day to the next that wouldn't give you a great indication of whether they've won or lost the last game. And what you'll see with this team now is there's not a game for another week, basically, Wednesday night yesterday to Wednesday night in the Dome next week against Louisville. And maybe it's time for a little reset. Um, and your computer freezes up on you, you hit restart and hope for the best. And that might be what's happening here. But again, there is some very, very difficult work to, to come. Louisville and Duke ahead. And the Orange are looking to uh, you know get at least those couple more wins that are going to satisfy the uh, tournament selection committee. Last night would have been a great one because not only does it get you to nine wins, Nine wins means, at worst, you're 500 in ACC play. And the uh, the idea of winning another one on the road would have been their sixth true road win, their fifth in the conference. And who's keeping a team out, especially if you look at uh, Wake Forest ahead, if you count last, if you got last night and then you, you know, it's not a 
slam dunk to win at Wake Forest, but they should. Now you got 10 wins and seven wins on the road. You can't keep that team out of the tournament. But right now, uh, they hold at eight wins in the conference and not too many games the rest of the way where they'll be favored. Wake Forest is one, and uh, the others are uh, are certainly going to be challenges, whether they're at home or on the road. Speaking of schedule, we'll tell you about home and road for uh, future years coming up when we return. We'll visit with Mike Waters later in the show as well, and take your calls if you'd like at 315-437-7644. That's 4ESPN44. In the booth, brought to you by CH Insurance on a Thursday on ESPN Radio. Back in the booth. Good to have you along. Good to have CH Insurance along for the ride as always. Good folks over there down the street here in uh, downtown Syracuse. You can join us by phone at 315-437-7644 ESPN 44. The ACC just put out as we were hitting the air the upcoming basketball opponent matrix. Not the schedule, but who you're going to play for the next three years. And again, that's going into the era of 20 conference games per season starting next year. So there'll be conference games very early in the year next year. Maybe even the first games of the season with the now ACC network coming. So your quote-unquote rivals that you're going to play home and road every year, those don't change. Boston College and Pittsburgh are mainstays on the Syracuse schedule. They'll play them twice a year until further notice. Next year's home and road opponents... Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Two teams this year at the bottom of the uh, ACC and two teams at the top, and certainly Virginia, a a big-time name brand. Home only next year, Duke, Carolina, State, and Wake. So for those of you that are on the fence about buying season tickets – When you've got Duke, Carolina, and Virginia on the home schedule, you're buying season tickets. The road games only next year, Clemson, Florida State, Louisville, and uh, Miami. Let's go ahead. Because people want to know, really, when I think when the schedule comes out, right, Tommy, it's like, people want to know when when is Duke. Are you playing Duke at home? Duke coming to the Dome? Is Carolina coming to the Dome? That's what people want to know. So next year, it's Duke, Carolina, and Virginia all in the Dome, which I would think would be as good a home schedule as anybody could hope for, right? That's three teams. Shoot, who's to say you couldn't have three in the Final Four, three in the Elite Eight this year? And, of course, in a place like Duke, they'll have an entirely new team next year, but uh, that's the way it goes. Still, you know that those are programs right now that are loaded, and uh, that's the way it looks for a Syracuse team that will be very young next year, by the way. So Duke is in the Dome next year. The following year, uh, Duke is not in the Dome, but Carolina is. And then the year after that, 2022, your home games, aside from BC and Pitt, of course, would be Duke, Florida State, Miami, Wake, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Louisville, Virginia. Why do I bring that up? That... 2022, and this is not to say what the uh, end of the Bayheim era or whatever is, but I think if you kind of if you're looking to rough that out, I think it's commonly held he wants to coach through Buddy's tenure. That is Buddy Bayheim, this freshman class. That is their senior season. So is Duke in in Buddy Bayheim's senior season, and what 
could in theory be Jim Beheim's last year. Any of these years could, I suppose, be his last year, but he's showing no signs of slowing down or wanting out. And if you just go with that rule of thumb that he's going to coach through Buddy's tenure, well, Buddy's senior season is 22, Duke is in town, which leads me to the next one. What bigger blowout can you have than Coach Beheim's last game in the Dome against Duke, against Mike Krzyzewski, Buddy Beheim, senior day, etc.? Drop the mic and off into the sunset, off to a golf course near you. So that's the one. I don't know this will ever happen, and I'm just spitballing here. This is just my opinion and mine alone. From a long-range view, though, if you really wanted to blow it out, those people that are talking about, oh, turn the court sideways, I don't. there's a lot of logistical reasons for why that doesn't happen. But if you really want to do that and you want a crowd of 45,000, 50,000, and you want to blow out one game for all time, what's a bigger game than one you can line up three years in advance to be as best you can, of course, Life intervenes. Line up three years in advance. Syracuse, Duke, Beheim, Shashevsky, last hurrah in March of 2022. You'd have to be a lot of planning involved in that. Duke tends, to, they always finish the season with Carolina. So it'd have to be like the second to last game of the year, potentially something along those lines or an exception for them that year. But I think you could, if you were inclined to do such a thing, I think now might be the time you plant the seeds with the conference. Hey, how about in 2022, our last home game is Duke. And if you can't get into that game, then I don't have any help for you. If you can't sell tickets to that game, I don't have any help for you. But uh, obviously, tickets to uh, Syracuse and Duke can and do sell because that's been on a long uh, run of sellouts. So that would be very interesting to see uh, some three years down the road. But again, on next year's Dome schedule, well, you talk about challenging. Syracuse will be a very young team next year, which is, you know, we'll cover that another time. But the the teams that are coming into the Dome on the schedule next season, Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech, who all are currently in the top 15. Florida State was, well, that's a road game, sorry. So that, uh, let me start that again. Duke, Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech. An NC State team that just beat the Orange last year. That team will have an upheaval too because they have so many uh, transfers on the roster. And then the quote-unquote easy games on the schedule next year would be, I suppose, BC, Pitt, Georgia Tech, and Wake. So not a lot there. If you'd like to join us by phone, you can do it at 4 ESPN 44-437-7644. Gets you on the show. Mike Waters coming up in just a bit in his regular spot talking Syracuse basketball. He's the Syracuse basketball beat writer for Syracuse.com and uh, powered by Drivers Village and Oswego County Mutual Insurance. Back on the show tomorrow at 2. Monday no show due to a crunch game during the day. And then we'll work our way through the uh, Louisville game, etc. coming up next week and uh, Louisville on uh, Wednesday night in the Dome. Let's go to the phones and welcome Bob and Syracuse to the show. Hello, Bob. Hey, Matt. Love the show. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Hey, you're talking about Bayheim's last year. LeBron James has said that he wants his son to play for Duke, and I think his freshman year will be Bayheim's last year. Well, there you go. How about we'll that? Be able to see, we'll be able to see young King <laughs> in action. Yeah, I think, you know, planning anything three years 
in advance is uh, is pretty risky business. And I'm not I'm not pushing Coach Beheim out the door. Or whatever. I'm just working off a sort of commonly held rule of thumb. Let's say um, that. Uh, and, and to me, if you're going to do the things that I'm talking about, if you really want to blow it out. Yeah, it is going to be a year in advance or two years in advance to to really think about the types of things. Obviously, if you're and one of the reasons that the court hasn't been turned and all that is it does it's going to take a lot if you were to do that, it would take a lot of planning and execution. Not to mention they're renovating the dome and, and all of that, but you're talking about reseating everybody uh in the house and completing an entirely new uh seating map depending on whether you you know, to put it right in the middle of the football field at the 50, you know, lining up center court with the 50-yard line, do you do it at the other end, I know that's a common uh, talk radio topic in this town. I'm not here to say that it's going to happen or that it even should happen. I'm just saying that if that ever were to happen, that's the way you do it. And uh, LeBron James Jr. doesn't do much for me. And from what I understand, the kid's a player. I don't know whether he's a legitimate prospect on uh, the order of, of what it takes to play at the ACC level. Maybe he is, but... Uh, you know, YouTube videos, he looks okay, but it's it's hard to say, and he obviously has tremendous genes, and he'll be given uh, every opportunity to succeed, and LeBron is tight with Coach K. I think that's uh, widely known, and we'll uh, see how that shakes out if there is an opportunity for that, but trust me, the who the individual players are in the Duke roster in 2022 has nothing to do with what we're talking about here. <laughs> is LeBron, LeBron James' son going to be Prince James? Is that going to be his nickname? Because I hope not. Because the king and then the prince? Yes. I don't mind it. I don't care. That'd be tough. Does, does a kid going into college earn the nickname Prince immediately? Or does he have to earn Prince? Here we or had, did he already we had, earn Prince? We had Prince Tyson Gully. Sure. Running back. Uh, prince. His first name is LeBron Jr., isn't he? He is. Don't they call him Bronny or something Bronny, like that? yeah. Yeah. Bronny in and of itself is kind of an interesting nickname. That's unique. People already call LeBron. There, that there's too, not going to be really. like he's not going to be one of these kids in school where they have to put you know the first initial. What's you know you were Tommy H, right? There was a story that it, he didn't want to wear 23 because he didn't want to be uh, to go along with LeBron. He yeah. wanted to be his, follow his own footsteps. His name's LeBron James. Yeah, Jr. I was going to say a little it's, late for that. It's pretty hard to uh, to do that. And obviously, a lot of families choose not to name their kids Junior for that very reason. And some do, and it opens doors and it uh, impacts kids in lots of ways. And I'm sure there's some. Uh, great psychology that's been done on all of that, but uh, that's uh, putting a different kind of horse in front of a cart. That's way, way down the road here, and uh, I'm just here to tell you that Duke's going to be good in 2022. I mean, are they going to be number one or number 10 or 20? They're going to be good because they have been for the last 40 years, and they will be likely for the next 40. It uh, doesn't matter to me whether LeBron James Jr. is on the team, but we uh, we shall see. It's funny, though, that that's what we're recruiting is right these guys have to project that and and uh that's what makes that particular art and part of the industry uh, very difficult all right let's get to a timeout mike waters on the other side do we care after that phone call still welcome at 4 espn 44 that's 315-437-7644 in the booth for ch insurance on espn radio this is in the booth presented by ch insurance in your corner There was a day we would 
Welcome back, everybody, as we continue in the booth. Every Thursday, we visit with our friend Mike Waters, the Syracuse basketball beat writer at Syracuse.com. It's brought to you, as always, by Drivers Village and Oswego County Mutual Insurance. And we catch Michael from the road, the glamour of that uh, big falutin newspaper beat writer. Where do we find you right now, Michael? I am at gate F37 at the Philadelphia International Airport, and apparently somebody just went the wrong way through a door. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> we're going to be okay here. Yeah, but we're, uh, we're slowly making our way back to Syracuse after slowly making our way down to Raleigh the other night because of all that uh, snow and ice we got on Tuesday. Which is amazing because uh, back here, everybody gets back at 2 in the morning and the cars are encased in ice off uh, a bitter loss uh, for the team. So not a lot of happy campers around the uh, Carmelo Anthony Center early this morning. And now it turned out it's uh, today a sunny day and beautiful and the roads are clear, and, and so you'll be coming back uh, into safe conditions. So let's uh, go through the game a little bit, and uh, I think maybe a better place to start is uh, sort of where do we go from here. I think that uh, was not just a loss, but it's a loss that raised a, a lot of questions. It's, it's not questions that we haven't asked or seen before, but uh, what do you think is the, the first move here for the team and the coaching staff in order to uh, – approach the final third of the season, which we knew all along would be very challenging. Well, I think it helps that they have a full week uh, before they have to play again. They get a little time to, uh, you know, first of all, shake this one off and, and maybe to go back into the gym and, and work on a few things. Instead of, I, I know they were able to, like, earlier in the season when they lost that home game to Georgia Tech and they turned around 48 hours later and, and got that amazing win down at Duke. But I don't think you can expect to do that too often. So I think the week off will help. I think some of the guys need to get into the gym and continue to work on their shots. And I think they'll, they'll, they'll continue to work on the half-court offense and, and where they can you know, do a better job of getting better shots for people. Uh, you know, to, to go through a game like last night and have Tyus Battle struggle the way he did, you know what? Look at the film and see exactly what North Carolina State did with him. Was it really the defense of just one man on Tyus? Were they providing help? Where was the help coming from? And is there a way to take advantage of that? Um, so I, you know, I think they're going to break down a lot of things because you, you know the other teams that are getting ready for Syracuse are going to look at that game and say, well, what did NC State do? And you know what did they do well? And what was what was their secret to success? Because if you can hold the Tyus battle to just seven points on three of nine shooting, and um, and then, and also hold Syracuse as a team to twenty uh, percent shooting from three point range, um, you know you're you're going to beat them. So other teams are going to look at that and, and try to figure it out. So I think Syracuse will need to do a little bit of self scouting and kind of go. Okay, we're going to need to know how to attack this because we're probably going to see it again. Well, there's no question. And you know, Tyus Battle, Elijah Hughes, O'Shea Brissett combined for fifteen points. They average three times that. If they score 15 points, then Syracuse isn't beating anybody. That, that's just the way it is. But to me, one of the more alarming parts of the game is that NC State is not known as a very good defensive team. They really haven't been throughout the year. They hold Syracuse to 58 points. And I, I thought among the reasons the Orange lost the game, Mike, where they didn't really get much out of what should have been matchups in their favor. Uh, Ty's battle against virtually anybody is a matchup that Syracuse should win. Uh, looking at NC State's roster. In particular, if he's ever guarded by Braxton Beverly, then that should net an opportunity for Syracuse. Uh, O'Shea Brissett against Torin Dorn, I thought should have been a matchup that Syracuse would win, and it went uh, the opposite way in a big way. I agree with you, both of those two. And, and I'll throw in one other name who I think this week off is really going to help this guy a lot, and that's Elijah Hughes. 
Mm -hmm. He's he's been struggling a little bit lately. Last night he goes 0 for 5 from three-point range. Um, I, I have to wonder if he's not just a little bit tired because two years ago as a freshman at East Carolina, he didn't play that much. Uh, he missed several games, so he had time off. Last year, of course, he sat out the entire season. He's never played this many minutes in this many games um, you know, against you know, big physical teams like he is this year. So I have to wonder if you know, we, we always talk about the, the, the freshman wall. I think Elijah Hughes might be hitting the redshirt sophomore transfer wall. Uh, so I think a week off could, could help him and, and maybe help, you know, get his legs back underneath him because you know, Syracuse could use his uh, shooting from, from the wing. You know, all of a sudden, you know, Syracuse looked pretty good when Buddy Beheim was making threes, coming in off the bench and making those. Um, but Elijah Hughes was the guy that was making it early on in the season, and I think they need to get him back into the swing. It's not as catchy a title, the uh, redshirt sophomore transfer wall, but it – it still is uh, appropriate, and I can see what you're talking about. For me, when you look at Hughes coming up short, it's almost literally coming up short, either on shots or his, his feet just aren't underneath him. He's turnover prone because he's a half a step out of, of position, and, uh, and some of those things happen. And maybe you're right with him because I can see he's obviously shown that he can score and he can do some things for you, so we'll see if uh, a little rest maybe helps Elijah Hughes and company. Frank Howard had an unusual game last night, 21 points, but... Uh, also, some head scratchers. That behind-the-back pass that he attempted at midcourt is still uh, a real mystery, and it's unfortunate because you know, what are you going to do? You're going to crush Frank Howard, the one guy who did score in the game. You know, so uh, I think this one was a, a forgettable one all the way around, and a big. Not that Syracuse was favored in the game or coulda, shoulda won it. That they could have won it. Uh, certainly, if they lined up against NC State, they could beat him again. But I think this is one where uh, you want to scrap it and move on. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I, 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 I totally agree with you. you. You need to move on from this. Uh, not, not a lot, not a lot of good's going to come out from it, other than maybe the fact that Frank Howard saw the ball go in the basket, which is a nice thing. Um, you know, a couple of the seldom used freshmen got a, got a little bit of run. I don't know if that's going to help them this year, but it's going to help those kids maybe. You know, kind of as they kind of work through the rest of their freshman year and get ready for their sophomore years. But you know. Things don't get easier. I mean, they got to turn around, and in a week they're, they're going to see Louisville, and uh, the first of three nationally ranked teams that they're going to play in a row. Um, it, I think it's a tough matchup for them. I think Louisville's a really, really good team. I mean, everyone's focusing on the fact that Louisville suffered that huge collapse against Duke earlier in the week, but why don't we focus on the fact that for the first 31 minutes of that game, Louisville was beating Duke by 23 points, and, and it was a fully healthy, fully stocked Duke team. It wasn't the Duke team that Syracuse beat without Cam Reddish and without uh, Trey Jones. It wasn't the team that Florida State nearly upset well, when Zion Williamson missed the entire second half. Their Duke had all their guys, and they were down 23. To me, that's a little scary. No doubt about it. We're visiting with Mike Waters of Syracuse.com, the uh, Syracuse basketball beat writer. His uh, weekly appearance, as always, is brought to you by Drivers Village and Oswego County Mutual Insurance. I wanted to touch on the freshman. Jalen Carey got nine minutes. He had uh, four points, one turnover, 0 for 2 from three-point shooting range. Uh, actually got to the free-throw line as much as anybody on the team, which is a bit disconcerting. And Robert Braswell, who had played six minutes in ACC play, played seven minutes in the game last night, and I guess Robert deserves credit for this. He was in the right place, but NC State just threw him the ball three times. They did, but as you said, he was in the right place. And, and for a kid who's played so little to get unexpectedly called upon in the first half of a game on the road, I mean, they're, they're, I give him tons of credit 
for being ready, for having listened to the scouting report, for knowing where he needed to be. You know, he made the slide on that back line when the ball went to the high post and the center had to go up and challenge that player. Robert went exactly where he needed to go. Now, if NC State wanted to throw it to him, fine. But uh, even if they didn't, he was still in the right place defensively. And I think it's a great sign that you know, people ask me all the time, you know, what's this kid thinking? Is he going to transfer? Or what's his psyche? Or is he down? Well, to me, if Robert Braswell goes in and plays like that and, and, and shows that he obviously has been paying attention in the days leading up to that game and knew the scouting report, well, that means he's engaged on some level. He's involved. He's paying attention. I mean, <laughs> not, yeah, like one of my, not like one of my high school buddies who was seldom used, and when the coach called him to go into a game unexpectedly one time, realized he hadn't put his game shorts on underneath his sweatpants. <laughs> not today. Uh, no, I, I would say, you know, my proof with that with Robert Braswell is, and you wrote a story here recently about Syracuse's historic lack of shoot-arounds, but, uh, you know, of late they've been kind of sneaking out in, in groups of, uh, you know, small groups to go out and shoot on the day of the game when it makes sense on the road. And Robert Braswell's yeah. been doing that all along as a guy who's uh, stacking up one DNP after another. So uh, if he had checked out, he wouldn't be doing that. And, and he showed last night clearly that he hadn't. It'll be interesting to see now from this point forward, does he get a few spot minutes here and there to maybe provide some fresher legs for Marek Dolajai, for Elijah Hughes, etc. Syracuse was in major foul jeopardy very early in that game last night. I thought every possible foul that could have been called against Syracuse was, and uh, and they found themselves in trouble there. So, uh, no game on the weekend, and uh, Louisville coming in, Mike, and this sets the stage with really two monster games at home. I know everybody's got the attention geared toward the Duke game and the sellout and all of that, but uh, of the of the two, the Louisville game is a lot more winnable, and, and certainly they need to, all they can get at this stage. They do, um, because th- this end-of-season schedule that they have, it's so brutal. It's just, it, 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 it sets Syracuse up for what could look like a terrible end-of-season swoon. It doesn't necessarily mean to be a swoon at all. You're just running into a, you know, the NBA Eastern Conference here. <laughs> um, but when you do look at a home game against the Louisville team, that you know, as we said earlier, I, I think this Louisville team's really good and, and playing well at times. Um, it, it's going to be really tough. I don't even know if Syracuse will be favored. They may not. But I'll go with what you said that it's winnable, and I agree. Um, they're going to have to play one of their best games of the year to do it. Uh, but it's it's when you look at other games like Duke coming to town and at North Carolina and Virginia coming to town, um, when you start looking at games that, that you can win down the stretch here, I think this is one of them. So I think it puts a whole lot of uh, importance to it. Okay, good stuff. Uh, safe travels, Michael. We'll let you get home. Uh, looking forward to uh, seeing your pretty face in the dome here a couple times uh, next week. So happy Valentine's, my friend. I was about to say, you're setting me up for Valentine's. <laughs> Goodbye. Yes, there you go. Mike Waters, <laughs> powered by Drivers Village and Oswego County Mutual Insurance. We're back in the booth in a moment on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Matt Kuchar is getting a lot of flack for only tipping his caddy $5,000 for a tournament where he won $1.3 million. Yeah, this is uh, making me sick to my stomach. Kuchar's my guy. Uh, not, not that we're tight by any stretch, but uh, did play with him in a pro-am really? uh, years ago. Yeah, it was a uh, great time. It was a terrible day weather-wise, but uh, 
the type of day where you absolutely wouldn't play golf if it was up to you, but when you've committed to play in a pro-am and it's a pro-am and there's all the swag and the opportunity to, to play with these guys, it was out at Turning Stone in October uh, years ago when they hosted the tournament and Kucher went on to win it. Uh, played in a pro-am with he, Scott Schwades, Chris Gedney, and myself. And we're all getting set for it. And everybody's in their carts, and you, everybody's kind of nervous and grumpy because it's the weather's terrible, and you feel like he got robbed of a of a decent day. But you're warming up and practicing, and then you get in your cart, and it's time to go out uh, to the holes. Everybody's starting on a different hole, and we're actually talking to some of the other golfers. We're going, hey, I, I, we had heard Kucher's a good guy, and I, I follow golf enough to to have a positive impression of him going in. And then as it's time for us to go out to our our hole, what we're the only group whose pro didn't show up we got stiffed by this guy what a jerk and it wasn't that at all he was already out there uh with his caddy his previous caddy was a guy named lance who uh was a tremendous guy as well and we get out to the first hole break the ice with cooch the par three with uh cooch with the cooch oh yeah broke the ice with him oh yeah it was great well the the way we broke the ice is i i had a name to drop with him that was a mutual friend and the other two guys i'm playing with are nfl players Chris Gedney and, and Scott Schwedes. Sure. So we all hit our first tee ball, and it's you know everybody's kind of nervous, but they were all more or less good enough uh, shots that we didn't embarrass ourselves on the on the first tee, and we're um, walking up to play around the green, and uh, I point out to to Cooch that hey, these guys, you know, this guy played for the Dolphins, and this guy played for the Bears. And it's oh, what's Don Shula like? What the boom? So he gets way into these guys right right off the bat. We couldn't have had a better time. He's a great guy. He, you know, scraps it around with us. And probably on that day, just shows you how good these guys are. I'll bet on that day he shot 74 or something. I mean, just his head wasn't in. It was not great condition. 74, 75, which for any of us would obviously be spectacular out at uh, Adunio. For him, it's a ho-hum, half-hearted day. Next day when it counted, 65. There you go. <laughs> and, and he went on to win the tournament. Anyway, couldn't have been a better dude. Um a lot of these tour guys do it, but I think for Cooch, it's a little more genuine. You, afterward, you get in the mail a note from him about how much he enjoyed playing with you, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, super class act, a, a Georgia Tech guy. Um, he did part ways with that caddy, and it was the next guy who came in that was unavailable for this thing in Mexico. And I'm just blown away. And the worst part about Matt kind of stiffing this guy is he's doubling down on it now. His comments are, well, he only makes 200 bucks a week or whatever. I think he was a caddy at the course. It's one of these resorts courses where I'm sure Matt got a a fee to come in in the first place to play in the tournament. Then he wins the tournament. Matt doesn't need an extra 50K. The, the fact that this is still going on and he hasn't totally papered up this guy to to say, hey, I screwed up. It, it, it's uh, Literally, I'm sick to my stomach thinking about it because my opinion of him is great. He, he competes in all these, you know, every tournament. He's one of the best players. He's just kind of an easygoing dude, and I love to see him do well in the majors. And Schwedes and I, we still sort of text uh, when he's competitive. But uh, the comment I saw last was, "Well, for the guy who makes two hundred bucks a week, five thousand is a pretty good deal." Yeah, of course it is. Should give him a better deal. Yeah, but it could have been. In other words, you know, the the going rate is you know in the neighborhood of ten percent. Now he doesn't have to cut the guy a hundred and twenty grand, maybe. That's what he would have given his real caddy, though. Yeah. And his this guy doesn't deserve what his real caddy gets. Does he deserve maybe half of what his real caddy gets? Could he get a third of what they're could he get him forty grand instead of five? And Matt's 
brand, the Cooch brand, is so great. Everybody thinks he's a great guy, easy going. And I, you know, I don't know him well enough. I've hung out with him one time. It, it stands for me, and I have a really great opinion of the guy. And it's taken a hit here. So I hope somehow, somehow, whether it's quiet or not, he does the right thing. How did you shoot that day? You know, had had some here and there, some good, some bad. Sure. I mean, it's it's it was really hard conditions. Sure. I'm trying to think about whether you know. On a day like that, you just hope you make a couple pars out there. You're, you're doing okay. I'm a, probably a better player now than I was then, but but it was miserable weather. Miserable. Apparently, Kucher offered the guy another fifteen thousand dollars, but the caddy turned it down. Yeah, now it's so, probably the principal and the guys. Exactly. Yeah. The guy, you're. you're but then I, money. I don't understand how he's arriving at that. What's another fifteen? I mean, I, I just he could have given him fifty. He made the guy's life. And again, it's hard for us to talk about that like it's not real money. It is real money. It just. For a guy who's got many millions, um, I think he probably could have taken the high road from the start. I, the thing I'm most disappointed about is not maybe his lapse in judgment, or I'm sure he has a reason for whatever he did there, but um, the fact that he seems to be sort of doubling it down and kind of in a class system kind of way, like, oh, he should be happy that I, I gave him five. Um, which is, So the whole thing's unfortunate for everybody. The caddy said he was happy. He said, this is something that I'm quite happy with, and I was really happy for him to have a great week and make a, a gr- good sum of money. Making $5,000 is a great week. But like you said, he should have got a lot more because his original caddy would have gotten a lot more. Uh, moving on, the Lions say that they would love to see the Raiders on hard knocks so they don't have to be because the Lions and the Raiders are two of the five teams that the NFL can just force to have hard knocks this year. Yeah, this is another guy I've got a, a tangential uh, connection with. We're not... Uh boys by any stretch but uh matt patricia the of the uh lions is a vvs guy and, and somebody i've known for a while I, I can see why coaches don't want to do this i just wish some of them weren't so disdainful or public about how they don't want to do it and everybody's right in this case too the raiders probably would be the best team and most interesting and john gruden might embrace it if so let's just wrap it up and be done with it i almost feel guilty watching the show anymore that the teams don't want to be involved and they do some stupid stuff like i don't think you have to put it on the show, guys getting cut. I know that makes some of these people squeamish. I think the 49ers said, if we're forced to do the show, we don't want to show that part. I think I've seen that enough. They all look more or less the same. To me, it doesn't make or break the show, so we can find other things. I think it's a great, very well-done show. I just wish people did it more willingly. It's weird because the Raiders seem to be the favorite anyway, so why did the Lions really have to like you know, kind of expose themselves and say... We well, the I think they're, they're in this core of five, six, seven teams that don't have the right to refuse it. So I'm sure they were asked about it in their local media and their way of saying that they would prefer not to be on it is to say, not only would we not be on it, but try to be in a little bit in the solution business. The Raiders are probably somebody who would like to be on. So I'm sure it's pretty facetious in the way that it was uh, presented. Raiders would be interesting. I think they're all interesting to um, maybe some more so than others, but uh, it's a fun show. I look forward to it every fall. John Gruden would be perfect for hard yeah. knocks, I think. And well, they, he embraces it. I mean, yeah. it, and that fits in his persona. So, at this point, I'd be surprised if that's not the direction yeah. they went. They have the question of where they're even playing, which I guess yeah. would probably be solved by then anyway. But still, that's you know. And here's the thing too: line. like, if a guy like Patricia, if he's going to be super buttoned up and doesn't want to do it, how interesting a show can it be? And the Lions have way more. I'm sorry, the uh, Raiders have way more storylines. I think definitely. Um, unless. A tiger was found in a a, a a woman found a tiger in her friend's home in Houston and 
call the local police and had to go through this whole ordeal of kind of admitting, well, there's a, there's a, a tiger in my house. Uh, it was a strange story. And Houston is gobbling up because a, a bunch of their tweets have been because of this. Yeah, this is uh, very odd. Um, it's kind of like a scene out of the, the hangover. You don't want to have a tiger in your house if you can uh, avoid it. You'd like and to avoid that, They yeah. did go in with a tranquilizer dart and seems like uh, all's well that ends well. All right, out of time for today. Back tomorrow on the show at 2. No show on Monday. And uh, next week we'll get into the Louisville basketball game. Looking forward to that in the booth on ESPN Radio.